You're listening to another ambitious entrepreneurnetwork.com podcast. The voice for entrepreneurs and small business. Now, onto the show. Are you ready to learn the secrets, engage in the conversation, and listen to the masters about how to make this economy work for you? Well, sit back, grab a pen and paper, and get ready to discover how you can make growing your business fun, easy, and incredibly effective. If you are passionate about what you do, passionate about the customers you serve, then this is your economy. And the Success Secrets Podcast gives you just what you need to go out there and get it. Now, over to your host, Meredith Elliott Powell. Welcome to The Secrets to Success, a time to learn just how to succeed in this economy, to get the tips, ideas, and strategies of how you can win in the trust and value economy. I am your host, Meredith Elliott Powell, and with us on the show today is world-renowned coach and speaker, a woman who can demonstrate how to outsmart your brain, Dr. Marsha Reynolds. Welcome, Marsha. Thank you. Glad to be here. Well, I'm very glad to have you here. I read your blogs, I've read your books, and this is just going to be a fantastic interview. But start out with telling us a little bit about you and the work that you do. Okay. I always start in my brain with, well, how far back do you want me to go? (laughs) I mean, because I think everything that has occurred in our life is really another step that led us to where we are. And so even going back to my rebellion as a young adult, you know, it was actually significant to lead me on the path that I'm on because I I think that I struggled so much in trying to discover who I am and why am I here that it led me to deeper research of understanding everyone's behavior and why do we do what we do. So for years, I had moved into, after I finally got my act together and went back to school, I had moved into corporate training, and my favorite was always working on communication skills and working with each other and trying to work together well. And that was all great, and I think I did a good job. I helped you know, some companies succeed. But I knew there was still something more. And, and if you read my book, Wonder Woman, you know that after, mm-hmm. you know, you do one thing and there's always this search for, well, what else? What's next? And and I knew there was something more. So it's almost exactly that when I decided to start my own business was an I kind of stumbled on coaching (laughs) and as I got into learning how to coach because I said you know working one-on-one was really seemed to be give me most pleasure as well as results I also found this thing called emotional intelligence and I said oh my every decision I've ever made I know has been based on an emotion and yet we never talk about that it's like it's it's not allowed and so that led me on the journey of not just understanding emotions, but to truly understand the brain, the depths of the brain and what goes on in there and why do we do what we do. And, you know, I went out back and got my doctorate and I'm actually writing a new book now as I keep exploring and learning more about the craziness that goes on in our brains and how we can understand that. And so I said, it's, I think, again, it's all started from, you know, the difficulties I had in life that then prompted me on my exploration, my journey, you know, of discovery and helping people in the process. 
Well, you know, the one thing that I find is so interesting, hopeful, and motivating about your work is really the challenges that you have overcome and where you are now. I mean, it's one of those stories that you read and you say, wow, you know, I can do it too. And as I think about this economy, Mm -hmm. not only the fact that we have gone through this shift, Mm -hmm. but in addition to that, it's we are running at 100 miles an hour. I don't know any time in my life when it has been, there has been, quote unquote, less time to feel. Mm -hmm. How have you seen your work change since we've sort of gone into this hyper place of this new economy? Well, you know, that's the crazy part about it is that we're actually feeling more emotions than ever before because we're constantly jostled around and there's so much information thrown at us and and yet we've become number and number. So we pay attention to our thoughts, but not what's going on really in our body where emotions show up until it hurts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yes. And then we try to understand what's going on, but it's such a mush <laughs> of emotions that it's – and, you know, it's interesting because you can't really do it on your own. You know, and so even though I do recognize that in my younger years what helped me to change my life was actually started with anger that shifted into passion – So it's not just desire of what I truly want, but, you know, there's also emotions that kind of incite us to change. But even that, you know, it's still difficult to stop and say, what really am I feeling right now and why? And, you know, I've been researching this for 15 years and practicing, and even then, it's still, it's somewhat difficult to stop. But, you know, if you can get, if not just a coach, a buddy or somebody that can just say to you, wait a second, stop. You know, what's going on right now? What is it you're feeling really and all the emotions you're feeling? And why do you think you're feeling that? It's the only way we can like drill down to the truth. Otherwise, we just keep operating automatically based on the past, which, you know, is crazy because it's not the same as what's happening now. Um, but you know, you know, you just can't tickle yourself. Did you know that you can't tickle yourself? But oh. the same thing, you can't really question yourself either. <laughs> that's interesting. I never really, I never really thought about that before, but that is, um, that's very true. Why is getting in touch with your emotions mm-hmm. important in the first place? Well, because every important decision is emotionally based and we think It's logically based, but we're fooling ourselves, you know. So we make a decision with our emotion, and then we expertly rationalize it with our logic, you know. And so many times I even ask my coaching clients, I'm like, so do you know that to be absolutely true? And what do you know to be the truth right here, right now? And it's so fascinating when they start to peel away their fears and their assumptions and their expectations of the future just to look in the present, you know, that truth is, is usually simple and it's obvious, but we just don't see it. We're so stuck in our past stories and our future expectations, we don't see what's sitting right there in the moment because it's cluttered with emotion. So what steps does somebody need to take to mm-hmm. start to tap into their emotions? You mentioned that you really can't do it by yourself to get a buddy, to get a coach, to get somebody. Yeah. But, you know, let me ask you this uh-huh. first. What's a trigger that I need to? 
I mean, I, I realize we all need to, but, you know, what's the trigger um, that, oh, <laughs> that you're stuck? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't know what to do. I can't get out of this emotion, you know, or things just don't feel right. You know, as soon mm-hmm. as you know that, I mean, it's really best, again, to dialogue with somebody because we just go deeper naturally. But if mm-hmm. you can't, at least just start by saying, so what's the story I'm telling about this right now? You know, and just start talking about, you know, like, for example, a few years ago, I just couldn't get myself motivated. I just couldn't get moving. I got up in the morning, I read my email, and I found everything to do but to sit down and do my work. And mm-hmm. finally, I said, okay, stop it. <laughs> you know, yeah. what's going on? And first off, you, you know, I have to identify as best I can what am I feeling. And I felt a bit numb. But when I kept saying, but numb isn't a feeling, numb is a lack of feeling, what is it that I'm covering? And I finally got down to, I'm sad. I'm a little sad. I'm a little, you know, it's almost, it feels like a lack of feeling, but it's not. And when I said, what could I be sad about? And I started to realize that a year before, it was, you know, my last book, and I had all these great expectations. And the book did well enough, and I was doing okay, but it, my expectations hadn't been met. And I had said, in a year, you have to evaluate it, and if it's not going in the right direction, you need to shift. You know, it's like I didn't, almost didn't want to face it. And so I had, and you know, my expectations were being met, and a part of me was saying, you know, you're a failure. But you know what? As soon as I said it to myself, I'm sad about what didn't happen, and I'm afraid I might be a failure. As soon as I said that, that was the truth. And then I could look at the present and say, well, okay, logically, I know I'm not a failure. <laughs> you know? Yes. Yeah. My expectation wasn't met. So guess what? I can be sad. Be sad. <laughs> I allowed myself to grieve, you know, and just say, I'm going to be sad for a day or two. And, you know, and as soon as I said that, I started moving through it. Mm -hmm. So I could go move forward and do something else, you know. So it's the recognition first of what could this emotion be? And then why would I be feeling that? And tell the honest truth. And the problem is most people have a hard time telling the truth, and that's why it's better to do it talking it out with someone. Right, right. Well, you know, I mean, I think that's, you know, I think that's so true that the first step is to figure out, okay, this makes no sense. I don't know why I'm angry at a situation or this type of thing, and then really try to get down under it. And then when you get under it, you can begin to work through it and it will pass. Right, because anger usually is hurt and fear. Mm-hmm. And so, but we, we rationalize by saying we're angry because they did this or this happened, like it wasn't our responsibility. But underneath, it's like, but I'm hurt because, you know, this happened and I'm afraid, you know, people aren't seeing me in a certain way. Or I'm angry because I'm afraid that this is going to affect my future. You know, how dare they control my future? You know, right. so again, when you start to speak the truth, then you have other options. But you got to speak the truth first. And the emotions are the door to the truth. You have this, oh, I love that. The emotions are the door to the truth. You have this great book called Outsmart Your Brain. And what exactly do you mean by outsmart your brain? Well, it's kind of, you know, all this that we're talking about is that uh, you have to work through the brain. But to recognize the brain's primary purpose, its primary directive is to protect you 
you know, so it has like this force field around your middle brain. And so you have all your thoughts, but it's the middle brain is saying, you know, don't go there, don't go there. <laughs> and the, the problem is, is that it's all based on past, you know, and which isn't necessarily meaningful right now in the future, you know, in the present and for your future. And so you have to kind of learn how to bypass or break through that force field so you can actually start questioning, you know, what's really going on here? Why am I reacting this way? Do I really need that protection at this moment? But you got to outsmart it in order to do that because it thinks it's doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as you have seen this economy shift and, and things begin to change, what changes have you seen in people's ability to, one, be open to emotional intelligence mm-hmm. or, two, even need it more than ever? I just wonder if, because yeah. I can see that it must be so important, not only in your personal life, but in right. professional life as well. Yeah. It's an interesting thing, though. When an economy gets difficult, then we start really being run by fear. And so that protective thing in the brain gets even harder. And so it's almost like we don't take the time to sit down and figure it out. And so like managers use it as an excuse to be bad. (laughs) Mean, well, it's the economy, you should be happy to have a job and we have to buckle down and, you know, and they forget that, you know, what it takes to motivate people. And then for ourselves, it's like, well, I can't help it. I just, you know, I have to do this because I have to, I have to, and I should, I should, without really looking at what is it that I truly want, because it's almost like, well, I can't want right now because the economy is bad. But, you know, that's wrong because desire gives us so much power and our passion gives us so much power to, to accomplish things that if you're doing things out of just should and have to, you're going to lose your energy anyway, and then you may fail. So it's time, it's the perfect time to sit down and say, what's truly driving my behavior? Is this the best thing for me, really? You know, and what else is possible? And is it possible to then make this a way of life? Is it possible to rewire your brain? Absolutely. You know, the greatest thing is that the brain is the most changeable thing (laughs) in our body. In fact, it's changing right now. So, you know, as you listen and if you learn anything, your brain rewires. And it's constantly rewiring. And this happens until you die. So, you know, to say that, oh, we get older, we don't change. Well, no, no, no. That's just, you know, again, we just get more protective. But the more you're open to possibility and learning and trying new things, the more the brain will continue to change. And so it's like every day you should just even try something new, walk a different way around the block, you know, drive a different way, you know, rearrange the things on your desk, just jostle your brain a little bit, because that keeps it open and, and, and malleable to learning. So absolutely, you can rewire. And it takes discipline. Because you know, mm-hmm. again, the more the brain wants to protect you, the more it's going to say, yeah, that's nice that you thought about that yesterday. But today, <laughs> we're going to go back to the old way. So, you know, you have to stay on it. <laughs> <laughs> when you go into companies and you're working with companies, I'm thinking is I have entrepreneurs listening to this, but also professionals who are in corporations. Because I can imagine this can sound a little woo-woo when you speak of the of the term of emotional intelligence. What 
do you see as results, as impact, if, if somebody really wants to start doing this type of work, not only in their own life, but also inside their company, what are the triggers, to keep on that terminology, that companies are open to and working on? What impact does doing something like this have? Well, you know, there's lots of studies actually that show which emotions are what we say the the optimal productive state and whether it's just normal productivity or it's creativity because you need innovation that you have to be in the state of what's called neurological emotions, the emotions that make the brain work most efficiently. And those emotions are happiness, pride, gratitude, anticipation of a good future, you know, the positive emotions actually, you know, create more ideas and help us to work more efficiently. When you start to get the other emotions, you know, you can make people work out of fear, but what you're doing is shutting down parts of the brain. So all they can do is like one thing well, and they won't see new possibilities. They won't see improvements and they aren't at their they can't work at a hundred percent because the blood is a good portion of the blood is flowing into their body so they can quote fight or flight even if they don't the blood's not going to the brain so you know especially in times like this where people you know are afraid anyway you know, you have to help them to feel good about their work, to feel confident in themselves, to enjoy their work team, to have excitement about the future. You have to do that if you want good results. You know, so to say, oh, emotions don't matter, you know, the only results do. Well, wait a second. You're, you're talking about the same thing. Emotions equal results because they totally dominate our ability to work and think. They come first, thoughts come second. I think that is a huge shift. And the whole idea that in order to increase productivity, I mean, you really have to help people move through this situation. I don't know if you've had this happen, but I've been inside companies that are going through layoffs. And as they go through layoffs, Uh it really, and they're not doing the work on the back end Mm -hmm. to really help people transition through that. And it's this horrible catch-22. Yeah. Oh, they're paralyzed. They're paralyzed. No, in the 80s, I worked for a company that actually got sold twice before, and then I left and then they went bankrupt. And during that time, it's like all pe- people could do was sit around and talk about what's going to happen. The two greatest stressors that we have are loss of control, you know, like somebody else is making all the decisions and the loss of predictability, what's going to happen to me tomorrow. And if those two things especially collide, it's almost like we cannot work. We just cannot work. We can, you know, we have minimal capability to work. And, you know, that's what the crazy thing is, is that people would rather know bad news than no news, because at least they can start to determine what can I do if this actually happens to me. You know, and so the companies that have actually told people the truth that this is going to happen, so prepare for it. We're doing our best. We want your ideas. You know, actually, people work through it much more quickly than the companies that say, oh, we can't tell them because then, you know, they won't work. Well, I mean, excuse me, the grapevine actually picks up information much more quickly than even the Internet. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, people know. Yes. <laughs> Plus, they're reading the manager's emotions. And if the manager has fear 
are concerned, they know it. You know, we're right. really good, our radar system at reading emotions. You know, we're mammals, just like any other animal. We read emotions very quickly. <laughs> you know, so we know what's going on. So speak the truth. You know, let people know and then help them to work through it. Otherwise, you've got, you know, you're wasting time and losing money anyway. When you talk about speaking the truth, where does, because what I'm finding in the situations is then I don't care what the manager says, mm-hmm. there's a loss of trust. Yeah. They just don't believe in their company. They don't believe in their company anymore. And so when you say to go out there and speak the truth, you're definitely creating an, you know, an environment of trust. Well, tell us a little bit about your new book. What are you working on now? Well, it'll come out in a year. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, that's the whole process it takes so long. Right. But because I, I just signed the contract with my publisher, mm-hmm. but it's actually going to be for leaders. Even though it's a coaching process, it's called using the discomfort zone. Because you know, when you're working with someone, and to you know, the reason why we don't like the word emotions is that they make us uncomfortable, and. <laughs> That's the only way to break through, you know, that force field barrier in the brain is that when I ask you a question that makes you feel, you know, a little unnerved, maybe surprised or even maybe embarrassed because you've been doing something for so long or angry, that's okay, you know, because that then helps you to to really discover what is the truth for you. Managers don't like to create, they don't like dealing with emotions. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Less create uh, discomfort in someone else. But, you know, of course, there has to be a trust and, you know, a trustful relationship that's created first. So it's not like straight talk where you just sit down and tell somebody something, you know, I mean, that's, you know, 50-50 chance of working. So this the, it's the entire process of how do I create the conversation that helps people to break through that barrier to get to the truth so we can really look at what it takes to move forward. So I'm sharing all that I know about that. And that book will be out in a year? Yep, in uh, 2014. So, yeah, I'm really excited about it. I just finished the outline and, <laughs> and you know, because I also just um, started with a colleague, a coaching school for the healthcare industry, the Healthcare Coaching Institute. And so we're teaching all of this kind of deeper mastery and coaching to leaders. So I get to practice it while I'm writing it. So I'm very excited <laughs> about that. <laughs> now, one thing I did want to ask you about before I let you off this phone is you do have a technique for making better decisions under pressure, which I am sure all of our listeners out there would love to know what that technique is. Well, it's four quick steps, and I actually learned it. I was asked to do a program some years ago working with uh, professional athletes. And so I went out and, and tried to discover, how do you get in that zone? And I found that there was very common things that they do. And so briefly, there's four quick steps. But the first one is to relax because your emotions, your negative emotions, difficult emotions are in your body. So you have to relax the tension in your body. If you do not do that, you cannot change your thoughts. Your, your bad thoughts will just come back. So whatever you can do, take a breath and release the tension in your body. Then if you can clear your mind, just, you know, even for two seconds, clear your mind. So it's relax, 
and then detach. Detach your thoughts and then quickly center yourself. And this was all the athletes did, had some kind of technique where they, you know, felt themselves on the ground and in the space and they, you know, in the center of your body is your point of strength. So if you can move your awareness to your center of your body, you're actually stronger and it takes it out of your head. So you feel the strength in the center of your body and then implant one thought. Okay, and I say that thought should be the emotion you want to feel. I want to feel powerful. I want to feel calm. I want to feel compassion. Or who do you want to be? I want to be a leader. I want to, you know, be a teacher, whatever. But it's so it's relax, detach, center, and focus. Focus on the one thought, the anchor that's going to make the difference for you in that moment. So if you start to get off balance, go back to that anchor. Oh, that's great. So relax, detach, center, center, and and focus. And I say focus on an emotion. If you focus on the emotion, then you can think through what are all my possibilities in this, you know, what are the pros and cons of this decision, you know, and all of a sudden things are going to show up that you didn't see before because you're not stuck in your cognitive brain. You've opened your emotional brain. Relaxing is so important, and we are so, as a society, not good at that. I know. (laughs) That's fun to practice every morning. (laughs) Oh, um, well, tell us your secret to success. You know, for me, by doing this work, it really clears the space for me to continue to work forward, you know, and so people always say, you know, you're so agile, you know, and you hit a block and you just kind of power through it. Well, I don't power through it. I take a moment and say, so what just happened here? And it's really fascinating because it's not obsessing. It's just saying, oh, that's what that was. You know, that's what got in the way. That's what stopped me. That's why I made that stupid decision. (laughs) You know, right now, what's next? What's next? And as long as I keep moving forward and I make a commitment to what's next you know once you make that commitment things just fall into place to help you move forward and that's the thing people are afraid of making the commitment you know you just got to make the commitment and move forward and trust it's it's going to (laughs) work you know and I fortunately have had you know experiences in my life that have demonstrated it so I can fall back and say you know it's worked for you before so just keep trusting it's you're doing the right thing it's for a good reason you know it's not for money it's not for fame it's for a very good reason on the planet. And if that's the truth, right? Yeah, then it's going to work. How do my listeners get a hold of you, find out more about your information? Because I really want to encourage, I get your newsletter, <laughs> I read your blogs. I mean, all the, those tips are so great and so valuable. So how do people find you? Well, my main website is outsmartyourbrain.com. And, you know, just on the right side there, you can sign up for my newsletter, which is, you know, I send out a brain tip every month. And that would be the main thing because then there's all over, there's all kinds of tips. You can see the archive of tips and, you know, my books are on the site and, you know, everything really, that's like the core. So I would say go there. Go there. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been a fantastic interview, and I hope uh, when you get the new book published, we can have you back on to talk a little bit more um, about that. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much. 
Well, thank all of you as well for joining us to The Secrets to Success, where you learn the tips, strategies, and ideas you need to get ahead and win in the trust and value economy.